there is nothing worse than potential unrealized. We all have things that hold us back. What if we could find a way to get us unstuck? I'm Lachelle Weemy, and I am going to walk alongside you as you make the decision to get unstuck. Tune in as I help you realize that you are not alone, inspire hope, and offer practical solutions to help you step boldly into the life that you are meant to live. Everybody, welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. And today I get a chance to have an amazing, candid conversation with my new friend, Michelle Cunningham. Girlfriend, you are such a blessing and we've just gotten to know each other, but immediately, you know, we hit it off the first time we chatted. And what made me reach out to you in the first place is the fact that number one, I heard you on another podcast that was phenomenal. And you kept mentioning unstuck and I'm like, oh my goodness, like what an amazing gift it would be for you to be on the unstuck podcast with me. And then it made me go ahead and get out, read, get your book. Right. And, and I literally devoured it in a day. It was so good. And so I'm just so glad that you're here and I get a chance to share a conversation with people, let people be inspired by you, all the things. So welcome. Thank you. I like adore you. I just like feel like you're like my person and I just love what you're doing and I love unstuck and like it, all of that represents like who I am and yeah. the message I give out to the world that like, dude, I mean, you'll hear my whole story, but it's just like, dude, just do it. So Let's do it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So Michelle, to give people a context, right, of who they're talking with and who they're listening to, tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days and kind of give yourself a little street cred if you would. <laughs> okay. Well, today, I mean, the end of the story that we're at right now, which is yeah. only going to get better, is that I run a um, million dollar per year online brand. So um, I teach uh, women in network marketing how to succeed how to get out of their own way and how to own their awesome. And so um, it's been quite, quite a ride to get to this point, but crazy to me to say like, whoa, we generate seven figures in revenue um, per year uh, and it's growing, you know? And now I'm like, have new goals where I'm like, yeah, it's like totally possible to do like five or 10 million a year because um, my eyes are open to that world now. And so that's like where I am now, but it was a long time coming to get to this point. So Absolutely. And that's the reason that there's a reason that I asked that question first, because I really want people to get a chance to hear where you're at now, because when we go through this whole next step of our process in talking, people are going to know like, oh my goodness, there's hope for me. Like, look at her where she is now. And now we can kind of dive into how the heck you were able to go from where you were to where you are. And I, one of the things I love about you is that you and I both are kind of like the underdogs. Yeah. And in sense that we didn't, you know, wake up or, or be born with this a sense of anything of extravagant life, right? But we both see the potential now and we're working towards it. And so tell us a little bit about who Michelle was when you were younger and kind of, you know, where, where you came from. Yeah. So I grew up incredibly poor. My mom was a single mom. So my parents divorced when I was six years old. And my mom was left to like raise my eight-year-old brother, me, six-year-old, and my three-year-old brother on her own. And um, she didn't have a job, so she opened a daycare in our house and waited tables at night. And so, so much of my childhood, I just remember like we were broke. And like it really became evident around like Christmas time when kids got like gifts for Christmas, like 
pajamas and like shirts and like board games and like balls and like everything you could imagine. Yeah. And we'd get like a, a thing, you know, or yeah. some years we'd get a thing or several odd things from people within our community, which was like super nice to like get gifts from people in our community. But it was always filled with the sense of like, Ooh, mom's not doing good this year. Like we're broke. The furnace broke. We have yeah. no money. And yeah. you know, I just remember like, there's just big moments where it's just like, not big, just frequent moments where we're at like the ATM and we couldn't take out money because there's only $7 in there and you could only take out in increments of 20. And I remember having ripped cleats on the soccer field when I was 16 and a girl from like a wealthy town was like, dude, get yourself some new cleats. Tell your parents to buy you new cleats. And like, it's like a double whammy for me. Cause I'm like, first of all, like I don't have parents. And like, second of all, we're like broke. And like, that was so mean. And so there was such a huge part of me that for like age six up and you know, when I could finally like realize that I was poor up until like, I was like 18 and went to college. Like I just felt so different than those around me. And, yeah. um, and it made me inwardly retreat. So instead of like trying to stand out, like the kids that had money and could like wear different clothes and wear different backpacks and they were confident, yeah. I was just like, I just, I'm just gonna be quiet. Like, I don't even want to stand out any, I don't want to be any more different than I am because my, my things are dirty. And like, and, and I just, it, it made me want more. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think that that's part of our story. That's so much alike because I was the same way. I didn't want attention. I wanted to blend in. I wanted to be accepted. And so I tried to not stand out. Um, but I also knew that I wanted more than I had. So there's that transition there. So how did you get from that to kind of where you are now? What was your aha moment if you had one? Yeah, I think my aha was like 13 years old, like, oh, I can babysit and make $3 an hour. Whoa, cool. Okay. And like, I realized that the harder I worked, the more money I made. And so that just became like addicting to me. I was like, okay, how many hours of babysitting can I get in tonight? So like, I would work, 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 school work, get it done. And then like, I can get in three hours of, of babysitting. And so I became obsessed with working so I could afford the things that I wanted so I could fit in. And so mm -hmm. while other kids just would like go to Abercrombie and get a cert, I'm like, do you have any idea? what a shirt at Abercrombie cost, like that is so much money. And so like, if I wanted one, that was like, oh my gosh, this is like two months of work for me to buy that shirt. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm okay with like, maybe not Abercrombie. Cause that's like, that's really going to break my bank. But you know, I really had a good sense from a very young age of like, I'm going to, I have to work for the things that I want. So I don't want to be wasteful with my money. But I also know that if I want something, if it's to be, it's up to me. And so yeah. I figured out ways to earn money. So babysitting, then I got a job at 16 at Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, I was also working at a candy store, which is crazy. I didn't gain weight. I ate, like, jelly beans and donuts. <laughs> um, and, you know, I remember, I remember getting a bad grade from my track coach. He was like, you were the captain of the team. I was, like, a co-captain. Yeah. But work was more important to me than, like, coming to practice. Like, I'm like, I'll come and I'll crush the event, but I got to get to work. I got to get the money. I got to be. <laughs> and so I remember that was, like, the write-up, like. We're good captain, but she never, she would miss too many things because she was always working. And I was like, that's right. I work, you know? And so, yeah. because I, I, for me, money gave me a sense of security and made me feel like I fit in um, with the kids around me. Yeah. That's interesting. But I also think that it's really cool that you developed this work ethic really young, yeah. right? Because so many people that are just handed things don't understand what it's like to to hustle and to work and to be creative and to be able to manage their time. And I was like you, I helped it on the farm. My first job was a waitress at a buffet. <laughs> 
at 14, my dad would drop me off at work. So 15, that's awesome. You know, it's just like we, we learn from an early age when we have to work for it, right? What it's like to have hard work, but we also just like you, you have this amazing life now, Michelle. And so you know what it's like to come from where you are and now you get a chance to enjoy the fruits of that labor, which is so cool. Yeah. And there's still the side of me that's still the girl that's like, like, I don't have money. Like, like today I was ordering groceries and like, we could probably afford any groceries we want. But I'm like, but Aldi's has, it, it, you know, strawberries, <laughs> they taste the same. So I ordered everything from Aldi's and my total came to 67. I'm like, I think, yeah. you know what? We got to stick with Aldi's because we're saving money here. So I will, totally. heart, I will always be that girl. Always. Me too. Me too. I, I'm an Aldi <laughs> fan as well. So girlfriend, like I'm right there with you. So, so tell me, you know, I know that you said that you are a coach to or help network marketing women in network marketing. So where did that enter your life? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, okay. I graduate college. I land my dream job as a pharmaceutical sales rep, partially because my buddy Mark told me it was possible to become a pharmaceutical sales rep right out of college. And partially because he said you could make a lot of money if I got in. So it becomes my life mission. Like in my senior year of college, I will become a pharmaceutical sales rep. I become obsessed with this mission. I follow pharma reps. I read books about it. And I land a job working for Merck Pharmaceuticals, a top pharmaceutical company. And, um, and it was during that, like I start this job and like my job is to call on doctor's offices. So I work from home, get in my company card, call on doctor's offices. And it's, it's kind of boring, but it kind of is right. Like no one wants to talk to me. So I'd be like, Hey guys, I have pens for you. I go to the doctor, my thing. And they're like, no, the doctor's busy. doesn't want to talk to you. And so like, that's what I did for like a long time, like three years. And it's just kind of boring. And during that, my coworker's wife was like, Hey, I don't know if you want to go to this thing with me, but I sell this product on the side. You know, it's a, it's a makeup and skincare product, but you can like make extra money and like, bing, bing, bing. I'm like, <laughs> the harder you work, the more money you make. Wait, like I could do this. And she's like, yeah. yeah, come along. And so me, I'm like, yeah, cause I'm kind of bored at this gig, even though I'm paid well. And like, it's a corporate job. I just felt like bored. And so I go to this thing. We're in a hotel room. There's a lady in the room at this hotel room claiming to make six figures. Interesting. Gorgeous. Another one's a millionaire, sparkly diamonds. And another one had just earned a free car that night. And I, I, I go for this hook, line and sinker. I'm like, what? And I'm like, I, I remember tapping the lady next to me. I'm like, did you said these ladies don't have bosses? Like they work from home. She's like, oh, yeah, they own their own business. I'm like, okay. Okay. So I go home and I tell my mom and my mom's like, mm, you know, my mom's a corporate girl. So she's like, yeah. this, it sounds too good to be true. You know, it probably is. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So this side of me, that's like, yeah. I'm not going to go there. So I don't join that week. And a week later, I remember I'm 23 and at 23, you really don't have to listen to your mom anymore. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And so I called the little leader lady. I'm like, I'm in. And she's like, okay, you can pick these packages. And I'm like, just give me the biggest makeup package. Send me all the product. It's $3,000. I order all this makeup and it arrives at my doorstep. And I'm like, yes. game on, I'm going to sell this stuff. Because if you <laughs> sold it, you bought it for a dollar and you'd sell it for $2. So you would make, you know, I'm like, if I buy 3000, I'm going to make 6000. Watch yeah. this. Yeah. Right. Well, I forgot that like you had to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> and so like this stuff comes and I'm like, Oh shoot. And like, I organize it for like a week and then I like organize it again. And then I'm like, Oh no, I don't want to talk to people. And so I do nothing that whole year except for think about it. Yeah. And I call my leader. I'm like, it's not working. She's like, well, you got to like talk to people. So the next year I'm like, okay, I'm going to, talk to people, but I like can't do it. I cannot, I don't even know. Like, hi, I sell makeup. Want to buy it? Like I can't even figure out what you would say to get people to buy the product. And I didn't want, and she's like, just meet people in the grocery store. I'm like, that's weird. I don't even 
would you say? Oh, I like your brown hair. Do you want to buy my makeup? Like I couldn't, my brain, <laughs> my brain still doesn't know how to make that transition. Same. Okay? Yeah. And so I'm like, I can't, I cannot sell makeup. I can't do this. But I had this dream in my heart and I keep going to company events that they would have. And there's girls winning and they're getting cars and they're diamonds. And I'm like, this is madness. So I'm like, I'm in it, but I'm not doing anything. And I did that for six years, six solid years of doing absolutely nothing, but dreaming about my business, printing off ideas, laminating ideas, thinking I could do this. And literally when you say your podcast is unstuck, I'm like, dude, I was stuck. I was so stuck from age 23 to 29, dusting off. At that point, the inventory was all expired. So 29 years old, I've got $3,000 of expired inventory. Uh, and I'm doing nothing with my business, but I have this dream in my heart. Like one day I could do this. So you kind of got stuck in analysis paralysis, which I see a lot of in the people that I coach. And so tell me what was kind of going through your mind. What was keeping you from actually talking to people? What was keeping you from actually working your business instead of thinking about your business? You know, I think that for me, I, I learned by example and I would go to the company events and there'd be someone on stage and they'd say, you can do it. I believe in you. You have the power within you. And I'm like, no, I know I do. I just, I need to know like, what exactly did you say Yeah, to get the thing to happen? And there wasn't right. enough, like, or if they said it, they said it too fast. I couldn't write it down. I'm like, Oh, but how, she said it like this and not like that. Like, yeah. And I believe that the way that you say things, right. Yep. yep. Right. Matters. And so if you say it like, hi, do you want to buy makeup from me? Like, be weird, right. But if it's like, hey, you are so pretty. I, I am so sorry. Um, I Can I ask you a quick question? Right? Those little things, like that would work, right? Can I yeah. ask you a quick question? I need people to test out a new product that we just launched. And I, I don't know. Are you into skincare? Like that is way more effective than like creepy other way. And yeah. so I just needed very specific examples. And I also needed them to not be me having to go up to people to talk to them because mm-hmm. I was so lacking confidence at that point that I needed to find a way I could do it without doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That was the game changer for me when I figured out how I could do this by using text message (laughs) and avoiding strangers at all costs. (laughs) I'm like game on. And so that became the weird way that I did it. And yeah, I figured out how to text people and I figured out more numbers. Yeah. the game changer. And you know, one of the things that I learned from your, reading your book is that you found a mentor finally that, that really started to invest in you. And the other half of that is that you were coachable, yeah. right? And I think as, as a mentor, and both of us can relate to this, right? Like we can give all of the advice, all of the practical tools, all of the mindset, inspiration, rah, rah that we can, but the person has to be coachable. And so I think that that was both of those things were present for you. And what then changed it all around? Tell us about the strategy that you had that took you from six years of analysis paralysis to all of a sudden literally blowing up your business and rising to the top of your company. Yeah. So 29 years old, I am fed up enough with corporate America. I'd spent yeah. two years, two or three years in pharmaceutical sales, maybe like two and a half years. Yeah. I jumped to another job because I was an entrepreneur stuck in a corporate job. Yeah. And like, I feel like when you're an entrepreneur stuck in a corporate job, you're always looking for the next thing. And so I was like, what's the next thing? So I ended up moving to California. I was living in Massachusetts. I found a girl that from college that was looking for a roommate in California. I'm like, dude, I'm in. So I like give up my good job, move out there. I start selling uniforms, high-end uniforms for hotels, which was kind of a fun job. I had my rolling rack of like fancy uniforms. I'd roll into hotels and be like, 
let's design your entire, you know, everyone get a uniform and we'd sell these like $50,000 packages and I'd get paid commission on that. And so I was selling uniforms out there and I did that for two and a half years. And then I fell, I fell in love with a guy. We were actually dating long distance. It's the guy that I'm married to today, but he was in Ohio. And so eventually I moved to Ohio to be with him. And so I'm, and when I moved to Ohio, the uniforms, no one in Ohio cared about uniforms. Not like, like <laughs> California, I was in like Disneyland. They're like uniforms and Ohio. They're like, what? We don't budget clothing. Like what? We don't even care what we look like. And I was like, okay, I'm like not selling. Like, I know that there's people that are like, yes, it, you know, the shoe salesman story where they're like, yes, they don't have shoes. Great. There's opportunity here. And other salespeople will say, oh, if they don't have shoes, there's, you know, no one to sell to. I'm telling you, no one was buying my uniforms. Okay. That was like, I got to get out of this job because I'm going to make no money. So I left that job and I'm like, I'm going to get into real estate because like, that's like being an entrepreneur. But I get into real estate in 2009 when the market crashes, which was fantastic because it was such a blessing because I get in, I close a few deals and then I'm broke, like legit broke. I'd gone from making six figures selling uniforms to like, I'm broke. And I was like, I got to leave this job. It's not working. And so I was 29. I was without my job and I was really wanting to make this business work because I knew that I wanted to have kids one day and I wanted to be home with them. And yeah. all I can remember was 23 years old, the lady in the room making six figures. I work from home. I don't have a boss. The one driving a free car, the other one that's a millionaire. And I just keep seeing them in my head and they're so annoying. And I'm like, but I feel like I could do it. Like I know how to talk. I could do this. So I, I that night went online and I found a mentor, like a lady that worked for the company locally because my mentor lived in Florida and I was in Ohio. So I wanted like a local lady and the company was super smart because they had mentors everywhere. Yeah. And so like, if you were a leader, you just helped anyone anywhere. So this lady took me under her wing. I go to her little meeting and she's like, you can do this. She shows me what to do. And what I loved about her and what really changed the game for me was that she was in front of the room talking and there was just like 10 of us there. Yeah. And as she's talking, this red rash, like camouflage rash, like goes all over her neck here. And I, I was like, oh, that's interesting. She's like, like, see guys, I have social anxiety. I am so nervous right now. You see this redness? And she was like, and I was like, yeah, actually I do. <laughs> Every day I feel the fear and I do it anyway. This is hard for me. But the reason I drive the luxury car and I make the six figure income is because I step out every day and I feel the fear and do it anyway. And I was like, really? Like in my mind, like that, I didn't know it worked like that. And then yeah. it was such a profound like thought for me. I'm like, wait, you can like fight through and like succeed. I just did not know that. I thought yeah. that people that showed up confidently like you, you were just born confident. Your parents were rich and you were lucky. <laughs> like really was this weird belief that I had. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, you mean I could create my own confidence and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And so from that day forward, yeah. everything. This. Are you a business owner and you feel like you are literally tied to your phone all the time in order to keep up with social media? You know, you need to post consistently, but you don't know what to post and you don't want to have to post every single day because it means that you're married to your phone. So then you're not consistent and then business doesn't follow. Or maybe you have no idea how to attract your uh, ideal client and, and you want to find a way to, to get the right people to come to you. Oh my goodness. Like that was totally where I was. And I had to take some time and research to find out what the heck I could be doing to make my life so much better. So here's a scoop. I have found a system that I've created a system that has allowed me to not only attract my dream clients, but it's allowed me to be consistent by planning 
all of my content for an entire year in one single weekend. And I've decided to offer it to all of you guys. If that is something that you would love to learn more about, make sure to click on the link in the show notes so that you can learn how to get your life back, but keep your social media game on track. So I got to ask you this really quickly. So when you said that she was showing you that how she could fear, feel the fear and do it anyway, and she stepped out, how do you separate that voice in your head that said, oh my gosh, Michelle, I just need to do it, even though it's scary. And then just knowing in your heart that I don't want to talk, walk up to strangers in the parking lot at, at Aldi. <laughs> and do you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a difference between feeling like, okay, that is not anything I want to do versus that's just something I'm scared to do. But if I practice enough, I'll make myself do it. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of navigate through that. Yeah. So I don't navigate through that. And I think that's, what's interesting is I make the decision. I'm not going to walk up to strangers. And she's like, that's fine. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, you can text people you can use social media. It's different now because when I joined in 2002, there was no text and no social media. That six year window that God gave me was a gift because at 2009 was like the new people were just starting to text. Yeah. And, and I was like, I will use text. And it was a period where the younger generation, like I was like 30 at the time we were texting and the older people were like, that's rude. You know, it was still, we were still in that yeah. zone. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care because <laughs> I can't walk up to people and this is all I got. And so for me, I just started using texting. I figured out, to, you know, two little short sentences that were very concise that asked a quick question question and they could reply back to me. And I started to book my appointments by text message. And I remember that like, uh, I don't know if the word is blasphemy, but like people in the company were like, no, you can't do that. Like, that's bad. And like, I was like, yeah, but it's working. Like, I don't don't want to call people. I don't have the confidence to call people. I know you're more confident than me and that's cool and all, but I can't do it your way. Yeah. And so, and nobody was saying that. And like, and, and that's why when I wrote my book, I was just like, in there, I'm like, if you're not confident enough to walk up to strangers, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. It'll shut you down. It shut me down for six years because I yes. thought I had to do that. Yes. But yes. I found a way to do it at my confidence level, which was a bit harder to text. It took more attempts than just calling someone. Yes, but I don't care. I got results. And so I was yes. willing to take extra steps and send more texts and do all of that madness just to avoid talking to humans. <laughs> yes. And they, that's, I think, one of the things that we have to identify, right? Is that if you choose that, that way that they're coaching us is just does not align with who I am. Yeah. I am willing then to put in the work to figure out my way. And my way might take me a little longer. It might be a little bit harder, but I'm going to go all in and I'm going to be the best at whatever I, I'm choosing to do and be okay with that. And that's kind of sounded like what happened to you. Yeah. Totally. I decided to go all in with texting and, and it worked and people were coming. And then I'm like, okay, okay. I got to figure out when these people are in front of me, how do I get them to give me more numbers? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was listening to trainings and I figured out this game, a fabulous game. I could get them to each give me 20 names for the way I played the game. Yeah. And I give all, I give all the scripts of how I do this in my book, yes. um, but like, like how I played the game. So people would then unload, they take out their phone and give me 20 names and phone numbers. So I'd leave a person, a party with five women who had just like tried my products and loved it, they would give me, I'd leave with like 80 names. And those 80 names, I could then take one out of 10 and book to come back the next week. So I knew that if every day I could just see five people and they'd give me, you know, between 40 and 80 names, that would give me four to eight people for the next week. 
And so once I got that rotation going, Mm -hmm. I was like, game on, like, I can do this. I do not have to walk up to strangers. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and, and then I figured out if I ever ran out of leads, I'm like, how do I avoid going up to people? I'll put little jars around town, enter to win a free facial or a little, you know, microdermabrasion sample or whatever. So people entered to win all over town. So those were my starter leads to then get them in front of me to then, (laughs) and that is how I ran my machine. And that brought me like tens of thousands of clients that were, I was selling to strangers. I was booking them by text message. Their friend had referred them. So they were like a a warm lead because their friend knew me and met me and liked me. Yep. So it became super easy. And I think for any network marketer that struggles, once you get that machine running, yes, it is like game on. It's so much easier. A hundred percent. I think that that's one of the things that has helped me is that if I get my rhythm down, right, there's just certain things that I do every single day and you get to a point where you don't even think about it. And before you know it, then there's no fear associated with it because it's just what you do. It's just who you are. And so so you have to get started though. There's action that has to, you know, propel you into motion. And, and I just love that. And that's one of the things that I loved about your book as well is my whole premise to this podcast is to help people have hope, but practical solutions to get them unstuck. Right. And that's what your book is about. The first couple of chapters are all about hope, where you came from, where you are now. And then you gave us literally like a manual to run our businesses. And it's so brilliant. So, so girlfriend, where do you feel you are helping people the most these days? Where are people coming to you in what space and, and where do you see most people that, that need your help? Yeah. So most people find me on YouTube. So today I actually, I spent 17 years with that same company, six years of stuck, 11 years of action, um, and built, you know, a, a eight figures selling team. So I was a six figure per year earner, but we were, you know, we were selling tons and tons of makeup and skincare. And yeah, I actually left the industry in November, 2019 to become a full-time coach because I started a YouTube channel about six years prior. Yeah. And I was training on how to be successful in network marketing, how to do it as an introvert, like how I never walked up to strangers and built a business. Like I still to yeah. this day, I don't think I could walk up as a stranger and try to sell them something. Like I just, I don't even know what to say. Like so creepy to me. So, um, yeah. so I started teaching people how to do that. And then they were like, well, do you have training? And then I started, I got a call from his CEO. He's like, come out and speak. And so that turned into this online brand. Um, so now I sell training courses and CDs. I do tons of free training, but most people will find me initially on YouTube, direct sales, yeah. Michelle, or if you look for Michelle Cunningham on YouTube, they find my training there yeah. and then they find me over on, on Facebook. I'm a YouTube Facebook girl. And, and so you have a program right now that you're offering. Tell us a little bit about that program that you're offering currently. Yeah. So I have a new academy. It is like, uh, I'm just so excited about it because it's, it's, it's every question I get. Like I get so many questions from network marketers who are newer. And they're like, mm-hmm. hey, I've got like these leads. I don't know what to do with them. Like, what would you say? Or like, hey, I tried to book this person, but it was like really awkward. What would you do? Or I'm, I'm trying to recruit someone, but like, they won't reply to me. What would you do? And so I've taken every single little scenario and I've made it yeah. into an academy. It's called my Big Breakthrough Academy. And yeah. Big Breakthrough Academy is essentially, it's, it takes the six pillars of like what you need. It's how to generate leads, the most important, how to book the yeah. lead, how to fill to them, how to recruit them and some branding and some mindset coaching. And so I take that and I put it into five little short minute videos with a guide you can print with all the scripts of exactly what to say. So it's basically, 
basically like my book on steroids. So people are like, do you have videos of this? I'm like, yeah, that's a really good idea. So it, uh, Big Breakthrough Academy is like my baby that takes the book and puts it all into like a, whoa, amazing area. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know the people that you end up talking to in these programs that you're doing, where do people seem to struggle the most? What do you hear the most? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of times it's people, they don't have enough leads. I mean, that's such a huge one. So I talk a ton about leads and people have a hard time recruiting people. Mm-hmm. So, and, and generally speaking, it's, it's a, it's a people business, but it's a numbers game. And so when I asked the follow-up question, how many people have tried your products this month Two. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. if one out of 10 people recruit and only two have tried it, you'll recruit one person every six months if you're lucky, right? Yeah. Whereas I played the numbers. I'm like, dude, how can I get in front of a hundred people every month? And so every single month I saw a hundred new clients. And so that I just had success faster because I was doing yeah. high volume. And so that's yeah. the people that win are just playing in the numbers game. Yeah, absolutely. So w- along with that numbers, a lot of the questions that I get is related to follow-ups. I don't know how to follow up. I don't know when it's appropriate to follow up. I don't want to seem like a nag or spammy or, you know, anything like that. So what would you tell somebody who's struggling with follow-up? Yeah. So I would say that the loudest marketer always wins. And so if you think about like retailers, think about Macy's, think about JCPenney, like, do you ever get like, oh my gosh, JCPenney, I'm so over you for sending me like five emails this week. Not really. Like, cause this is JCPenney sending an email with a sale coming up. And so you have to look at those retailers as your competitors. And if you Mm -hmm. let them win, like they sell makeup and skincare, like I sold makeup and skincare. So I would subscribe. I subscribed to all of their emails to see when they were holding their sales. And it was always the email would hit on Thursday. The reminder would be Friday, Saturday, they'd say it again. And Sunday, they'd really slam you with it. And that was because people get paid on Friday. So they did all their marketing starting on Thursdays. And so I'm like, okay, got it. (laughs) I'm going to copy that. So I would hold sales like that. And I would make sure that my customers heard from me at least seven times a month, not necessarily all by email. You know, it might be two or three emails might be one or two texts. It might be a a Facebook live. They saw where I tagged them might be a private message on Facebook. But when I finally got that game down, because for the first six years, I didn't get that down. I was messy with it. When I got that down, people stopped asking me this one very important question. Do you still sell for so-and-so company? If someone is asking you, do you still sell for so-and-so company? Right. Something is missing in your marketing. So that's right. an indicator like, shoot, I need to be a little louder. I need to be prouder. I need to like own that I do this. Yes. And so yes. I became like, I was the company. I'm like, here I am, whatever you need. And what's great about that is you're, you're, when your customers know that you are all in, they refer you to other people. And so I got a ton of referrals because of that. A hundred percent. And I think that that's one of the things that I've heard from people. It's like, okay, if you want people to think of you, you have to make sure that they know that you're the skincare girl, you're the makeup girl. So that when the timing is right for them, or when they have a conversation with their girlfriend around that, they know exactly who they think of first. And so our branding, our marketing should be in alignment with how do I make sure that I'm the person they think of first when they have such and such a problem? Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Okay. So I have to ask this because I think it's so fascinating because the last time we chatted, um, you talked about writing your book. Mm. So 
Tell us about how long it took you to write that book. It was fantastic. I know. <laughs> I just got off a podcast with a girl and she's like, so yeah, I wrote my book. It took two years. And then I was like, oh, and then I didn't <laughs> want to tell her how long it took me because I felt guilty or sort of. Okay. So here's what happened. Okay. My, someone said to me to write a book takes 25,000 words. And I'm saying this to anyone out there that wants to write a book, it's 25,000 words. I'm like, okay, how do you write the book in Google docs? I'm like, got it. Google docs, 25,000 words. So that night after I learned that, I'm like, I'm going to start to write my book. I don't even like tell my husband, I just sit down and I start typing and my kids are playing on the floor around me. And after one hour, I'm at a thousand words and I'm like, stop it. So then I go to my husband. I'm like, excuse me. Hi, sorry. Um, I just wrote a thousand words. I just need 24 more hours to finish writing my book. Um, I'm going to write a book. He's like, you're, I'm sorry. What? I'm like, yeah, excuse me, international best-selling author here. I am writing a book, honey, and I need 24 hours. Can I go away for the weekend? Can you watch the kids so that I can write the book this weekend? And then we don't have to like deal with it the rest of the year. He's like, yes. Like, you know, you yeah. lunatic because I am a lunatic. And I'm like, sure. Okay. Yes. So he's like, okay, good. So I leave, I get to a hotel room that night. I'm at 8,000 words. The next day I do another 10,000 words. So now we're at 18,000 words, Friday, That's Saturday. Right. Sunday morning, I stay and I crank out another like, I don't know, 6,000. And I yeah. come home and I still had like I have a few more things to add, right? And by yeah. Sunday evening, the book is written. And so I wrote the book from Friday to Sunday and it's 28,000 words. And so I don't know. I think people think like, oh, to write a book, you got to take all the time. You can take all the time. But the problem is you'll forget what you're writing. I don't, I'm not that smart. If I write chapter one, I'll have to keep rereading it. I never reread. I just wrote and wrote and wrote, wrote, wrote. I don't, I don't think I reread it. <laughs> I was done. And then yeah. I hired a good editor to make sure I didn't sound dumb. <laughs> and the book was done. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you know, one of the things that I love about you is that you don't come across as somebody that's like, yeah, I just, I have it all figured out. I'm, I'm so perfect because you admitted to us that it took you six years. You hauled your box of products, several States and back. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and so if people are like, yeah, but, but Michelle, like she's, she's got it all together. And it's like, yeah, but you understand what it's like to feel stuck. You understand what it's like to sit on something, but eventually you just decided now you're the person who you are now is I decide on this. I'm going to execute it. What do you think made that switch for you? Was it just life experience or did something happen? You know, I was at a training one time and there was a top leader on stage that I really admired. And, and mm -hmm. I'll say the, the company I was with was an amazing company, amazing training, amazing speakers. I learned so much. And she said in the training, she goes, what other people think about you is none of your business. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's a good one. Okay. Because yeah. like, oh my gosh, I care so much about what people think. Yeah. And I cared for so long. And then I was like, you know what? She just gave me permission to like, stop thinking. I don't care what you think because ultimately everyone's going to have an opinion no matter what. If you do something or don't do something, they're going to have an opinion. Right. So like I just stopped caring. And, and what's interesting is as I was building my brand and launching CDs and doing crazy things, I was still with my former company and it definitely raised eyebrows. And people sent me messages where people were like, who does she think she is? Like I heard, I literally heard some of these messages yeah. And I'm like, who do you think you are? That's not nice. You don't even know me is how my mindset started to become. Like, if you yeah. don't like me, I don't think you're nice because what I'm doing is helping other people. I'm right. sure that's exactly people, right. right. Yeah. And so that became my mindset. Like, if you don't like me, I don't think you're nice. Cause like, I like everyone. I legitimately 
have not met a person I don't like. I love everyone. I will find something to love about you. Even if you're not lovable, I will still find something to love about you <laughs> because I think we should be kinder than we think is necessary because you never know what kind of battle someone's fighting. And so yeah. everyone I meet, I love. So when someone didn't like me, I'm like, I think you're crazy. That's it. <laughs> that new mindset served me so well because then it was just like, all right, if someone has something to say, I think it is. I love that. And I wish that, I don't know, girlfriend, I wish that it was so simple because if you think back at both of our stories from the very beginning, right, you wanted to fit in because of what people thought. Yeah, totally. And then you didn't reach out and talk to strangers in the parking lot because of what they might think. They thought. Yeah. Right. And you're afraid to, to reach out or to talk to people about your business or what you're doing, or even start another avenue of, of how you can help people because of what people think. And that has been a tumor in my life forever because it has held me back. It's deluded me. It's made me play small all because of the people and the people, they, when really it's probably like five, if you really think about it, (laughs) like who you actually care. And it has kept me small. It's kept me from from showing up. And so when you heard that, it was just like something clicked or was it something that you had to like slowly work yourself into again? It it clicked. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start playing bigger. And you know what? I'm going to launch a CD. I'm going to put my photo on it. Like I'm Beyonce or somebody. I launched a lead generating CD (laughs) and I got this photo made and I like looked like I was something. And it was totally like not who I am really. I'm kind of just like simple mom that likes to shop at Target, but I'm like, it's okay. I'm owning my awesome because it is not about me. It's about who can I serve. Yes. Right. So yes. I had to put myself aside and say, Michelle, it's not about you. It's who are you serving? And people mm-hmm. got that CD. And I think that's where the confidence started to come from. Yes. yes. They got the CD and they were like, oh my gosh, this changed my life. Thank you so much. I love you so much. I'm like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. I am yes. doing this for you. It's not about me. And so when people yes. were serpent that they didn't like me, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. It's not for you. It is yes. for the people that I'm serving. And so exactly everything. So then it was like, well, I need a book for the people that I serve and I need a CD. And then I got to I got to make another training course for the people I serve. And so everything I do is, is for the people that are watching that are stuck where I was. Cause I was stuck for so long and I'm so passionate. I said, if I ever figure out this industry, cause I, it was so painful to be stuck for so many years, yep. if I ever figure out this industry and I ever succeed. I'm not going to, it's like no man left behind. I'm not going to let other people be stuck and yep. I'm going to show up and I'm going to serve and I'm going to show them all the things I wish people told me. I'll give you my exact script I use and the way I said it and I'll type it up for you and I'll make it so easy for you to use because I'm so passionate about your success because I was stuck for so long and it really hurt to be there. That is amazing. And I think that it comes back to your mentor, right? Who taught you to feel the fear and do it anyway. And so you decided that there was something that you were going to do. You put on your, you know, courageous pants and you did it. And then you realize that you didn't spontaneously combust. You didn't die. Nothing bad happened to you. And now all of a sudden you're getting feedback from people that said that was really impactful. And that gives you the courage to be able to do the next thing. And then the same thing happens. And then you do the next thing. And I think so many people are so afraid to take that one small step. But take one small step, you guys. Take one small step. Encourage. Acknowledge the fact that you're still alive, that you haven't died. And figure out how you help somebody, make it about them, not you. And then it builds your confidence for the next thing. And I love that you've just articulated that so well. And I know that there's going to be so many people that are listening that have aha moments like all over the place. So thank you so much for that. Uh Any last like pieces of advice or things that we didn't get a chance to cover that you wanted to share? 
Yeah, I would probably just say that biggest one, the, the quote that I love to share is that what other people think about you is none of your business. I always end with that because I think that is the biggest thing that holds us back as women is we're so worried about what the person next door thinks, but just focus on who is it for and, and uh, what other people are thinking. I love that. And then to finish, if you were to offer one coaching question, one question for the audience to ponder that's going to help them move forward, what would you ask them? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say, so after learning what you've learned today, what is the next best step for you to take to get one step closer to your dream? I love that. And you guys, those of you that are listening, I want you to tell us, tell Michelle and I what that step was and let us celebrate with you. So let this, you know, um, in the comments on YouTube or the reviews on the podcast, let us like hear from you. Let us celebrate with you so that this can be your accountability because both of us want you guys to just get unstuck. We want you to move forward into the most amazing life. Listen to Michelle, listen to her story, be inspired, know that it is possible and that you can, you can stop playing small. So girl, I'm going to make sure that they have all of the ways to get a hold of you in the show notes. And thank you so much for sharing your heart, your wisdom, your energy, all the things with us today. Thank you, Michelle. Love you, my friend. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you know that you are made for more and you are tired of being held back and ready to get unstuck and step boldly into life that you're meant to live, head on over to LachelleWeMe.com, request an appointment, and be ready for me to walk alongside of you personally to help you step boldly into the life that you are meant to live. I'll be back next week, but before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe and enjoy these imperfect outtakes.